Kid, you've had this mad fixation about climbing a mountain. I just don't understand you. You don't have to understand me, Roger. All I ask is that you accompany me on one climb. For the last time, Mabel, I won't do it, especially at a time like this. That's just what I thought you'd say. Then why even bother to ask me? Because for one idiotic moment, I thought that you, my brother, might grant me one small wish. Oh, but don't let it bother you. I, I'm sure I can find someone else. A guide? You'll have to tell him all about yourself. After all, that would only be fair on the guide, and I don't think that when he knows the true circumstances, any guide will take on the job. It's for that reason I'm not going to ask a guide. At least, not the ordinary run of guides. Don't tell me you're going to the Boy Scouts. There's a firm in the West End that specializes in unusual jobs. Assignments unlimited. They might be able to help me. It's, it's worth a try anyway. I'm going up there this afternoon. Their offices are at 33 Half Moon Street. My usual wont to introduce to you my client before the story unfolds. But tonight, I'd like you to eavesdrop on a London scene that occurred just 24 hours before my client decided to come to 33 Half Moon Street. So, so you came, eh? As you knew I would. Uh, don't worry about the two blokes on either side of us. They work for me. Afraid of witnesses, Sid? Not of these witnesses. In fact, I'd like him to get to know you better. For future reference, like. If it's the money. It's always the money, Mr. Dix. It could hardly be a social occasion, could it? I mean, you and me, we're... Well, we're not on the same social... Why scale. don't you get on with it and say what you have to say? I hope your purse is as big as your lip. It's just a matter of time. I told you that. You're right. A matter of time. You've got exactly one week. A week? I can't guarantee anything in a week. I can. Show him your toothpick, Eddie. A razor. Guaranteed to give you a clean shave. Right down to the bone. Now, wait a minute. No. No, not a minute. I'm a reasonable man. A week. Either you produce £3,847 at this time next week, or you meet Eddie for the second time. You can't do this to me. Want a demonstration? Please, Sid. I don't know for sure if I have the money in a week's time. You should have thought of that before you played the GGs. Suppose you'd won. I'd have paid you, wouldn't I? And I wouldn't have asked for time, would I? I'll pay you interest. Mr. Dixon, I'm interested only in the lolly, in cash. I'll see you here same time next week. Now, if you'll excuse me, I've got to go out and pay 25 as to a geezer who was lucky today. Backed six winners out of eight starts. <laughs> it was a proper carver. Fate has a crooked finger but it points with inexorable directness at destiny. In a ragged shack, leaning bleak and lonely among the barren foothills of Mount Snowden, a heavily built man sat down to his meagre supper. His face bore the lines of strain, the strain of frustration tainted with pent-up anger. A faded leather jerkin hung limply on his shoulders, and his faded denim trousers rolled down over his high-top boots as though to hide their tattered shame from the world. He said nothing as he idly stirred the learned dumpling in the thin soup. It was his wife who broke the silence. A thin, mousy woman with a red nose, 
her bony body enshrouded in the voluminous folds of a corn sack apron. How'd it go at the meeting? Same. Don't you ever give up. I'll win in the end, Lucy. That's what you've been saying for the past six months. Just have patience, lass. I've got patience, Jack Hawthorne. Lots of it. The patience any mountaineer's wife must have if she's to remain in her right mind, but but patience doesn't pay the grocer's bills, and you don't have to look at your supper too hard to know we're starving. I know, lass. Then why don't you do something about it, man? Like what? Get another sort of job. Here we go again. Well, anything's better than sitting here day after day and things going from bad to worse. Just a temporary job. Just something to tide us over. If I leave now, it means the committee has won. I'll never get another job as guide as long as I live. Then let's go back home to Shatfell. We didn't do so bad. That antique. The money's here. That's a laugh. Well, it wasn't till that bloated beggar had his ass attack on the east face. That's no way to speak of the dead, Jack Hawthorne. Maybe not, but how was I to know he'd die on me? What am I supposed to do? Give every client a medical before I take him up? You're supposed to bring him back alive. I'm a mountaineer, not a ruddy white hunter. Well, you haven't lost all your sense of humour anyway. That's a blessing, I don't think. Giggs fell from that ledge because he had an heart attack, not because of my incompetence. I could lose any of those toughies on that mountain. Everyone knows that, look. Then why won't they let me back into the committee? Answer me that. What? No, don't waste your breath. If I were a third-rate gilly like the rest of them, I'd have been back on the mountain the day after he was buried. Surprises with the committee, I say. If only I could get a private job without their sanction. But everyone goes to the committee for recommendations. Don't I know it. You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see one of them Gaelic gentlemen take up someone who wasn't really fit to go and have him die on them. Jack Arthur. All right, it's a terrible thing to say. But if it happened, they wouldn't have a leg to stand on, would they? They'd have no choice but to let me back into the committee. Just one accidental death when the climber wasn't fit to climb. My client was Miss Mabel Dixon, a well-bred young lady of some twenty years. She carried herself with a proud bearing that indicated a strong character, a strength her physical appearance failed to match. She was pale and warm, and even the twinkling eyes and generous smile couldn't hide some intense inner suffering. Which is probably why I was surprised at her request. She wanted to climb a mountain, and she asked me to provide a companion. I learned nothing of her from our brief encounter. It was the cannon that she filled in the details on their journey west in the train compartment. They want this holiday to be a success, Mr. Cannon. And I, I would like us to be on a friendly footing. Well, I'm the epitome of geniality, ma'am. Then we can start by using first names. I'm Mabel. Well, now, uh, there you got me. Uh, I only go by my nickname. That is, Mr. Cannon? Uh, Cannon. <laughs> your nickname is the same as your son. Well, you said you wanted fun. The name's Cannon, but believe me, I'm no big boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then, Cannon, it shall be. Have you done much mountain climbing? Well, I, uh, I gave Everest a miss, and uh, I find something offensive in tropical snow, so I passed up Kilimanjaro. But uh, I can crab a wall and negotiate a chimney, so I guess I'll do. I'm so glad. And I guess I'll pick up a few tips from you. Well, not from me, Cannon. This is the first mountain I've ever tried to climb. Huh? Does it make any difference? No, 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 I, uh, I guess not, but... Uh... 
why start with Snowden? I mean, uh, you could have had your first lesson on a coal mine slag heap or something. When my father was alive, he wouldn't let me go. His excuse was that we couldn't afford it. I, I took that with a pinch of salt. Oh, we weren't terribly rich, Mark, you, but I knew it wasn't the expense that dictated his motive. He just didn't like the idea of his favorite daughter hanging by a slender thread on her life, is that it? That's better put than you realize. However, we did have one wealthy member of the family, an aunt. The same name as myself, Mabel. <laughs> she was a crotchety old thing, but, but underneath the temple was a heart of gold. She left me a tidy sum in cash, and I, I can do what I like with it. Poor Roger was furious. Who's Roger? <laughs> My brother. Aunt Mabel just never took to him somehow. But then she never was on the best of terms with anyone. In her will, she said I could do anything with the money except loan any to Roger. And uh, that's a bad thing? Oh, you don't know Roger. He's always in some financial jam or another. I suppose that's why Aunt Mabel made the condition. Of course, Roger's my beneficiary. Everything goes to him when I die. Well, his chances are about as good as the Irish sweepstake. Uh, but tell me, why, uh, why didn't he come on this trip with you? Self-sacrifice is not Roger's strong point. Oh, but... I'd much rather be with you anyway. You don't think I'm balmy wanting to climb snow? Oh, or do you? No, no, no. I, I mean, uh, different people get kicks out of different things. I mean, I once knew a guy who was a, a, a pothole addict, you know, and crawling around underground caves. Now, I'd say the urge to climb mountains is a, a much more normal quirk. Uh, don't ask me why, because... Well, maybe on a mountaintop you... You're nearer to heaven. Yes. You would be nearer to heaven, wouldn't you? You talked about my hanging by a slender thread on my lifeline. Yeah, a mountaineering term. And a medical one for me. And what do you mean? I've never been really strong. And for what's wrong with me, there's no known cure. Oh, the last thing I want is to appear dramatic. I, I, I'm quite reconciled to the fact. But, dear... Uh... Mabel, I mean, if your health isn't all that good, why in Pete's name do you want to climb to the top of Snowden? Why does your friend want to go potholing? All my life, I, I've looked at the mountain peaks cooling themselves in cloud. I've wondered, oh, how I've wondered what it would be like to stand up there, just for a moment, to breathe in the cold air, to feel the mist at my feet, the hard rock under my hand... And the green world below stretching away for mile after mile. Can you understand? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I do. Then you'll take me up, Cannon? Sure. I'll get you up to the top of that mountain if I have to carry you there. <laughs> oh, you mustn't do that. If, if I wanted to reach the top the easy way, I, I could take the mountain railway. I suppose you did know there was a railway running up the easy slope. A railroad on the easy slope? Now, that never entered my head. Mabel, I was born on the other side of the tracks, and that's where I aim to stay. I mean, anyway, what would you do with an ice pick in a Pullman coach? Hmm? <laughs> oh, it's hardly that sort of railway. Well, for you and me, the trippers who go by loco are loco. Us, we'll let off steam on the sheerest wall we can find. Oh, um, there is one thing, though. Uh, we'll have to hire a guy. Must be. Yeah, I'm afraid so. Oh, but, but I, I mean, knowing about me, will they let us go? Well, what about you? I'm hiring the guide. You, you're just tagging.
alone. Nobody need know a thing. And you and me, when we're right on top of that mountain, we'll be a king and a queen. We'll be monarchs of all we survey. We'll hold hands and breathe in that cold air, and just for a moment, we'll know what it's like in paradise. Springbok Radio is terug. Twintig onverkrijgbare liekies nou op een CD. Met al jou ginstelinge, Virginia Lee, Cora Marie, Anton Goosen, Sonja Herold, Kupiru en vele meer. Herleef Springbok Radio, Afrikaanse treffers. Enjoy the best of both worlds, only two hours drive from Johannesburg and Pretoria and half an hour by air. The magnificent Sundown Ranch Hotel and Lion Park, just 10 kilometers from the Pilansburg Game Reserve and Sun City Resort. It offers an exciting escape from the hustle and bustle of everyday life. Reasonable rates, excellent food, friendly service and comfortable air-conditioned rooms. It will ensure a memorable stay. Activities include tennis, squash, horse riding, the lion park, and much, much more. Call now to make your reservation on 014-573-1000. That's 014-573-1000. Or visit their website at www.restonations.co.za forward slash Sundown Ranch. The Sundown Ranch Hotel and Lion Park, two worlds in one. The Mountain Hotel is snug and cosy with a cheerful untidiness. In summer, the great open fireplaces grin a broad grin of welcome, as though to entice the visitor back when the bitter snows of winter blanket the fells. But this afternoon was warm, and the hot sun shoveled in smells of new-cut hay through the lattice windows. Mabel Dixon sat quietly reading, awaiting the return of Cannon from the village. His return was much quicker than she'd anticipated. You're back early. Is something wrong? No guide. You mean they're all engaged? I mean no guide will take on the job. Oh, but why? You, uh, you mind if I pour myself a drink? Of course not. But, Cannon, why? Give you one guess. Me? But, but you said you wouldn't tell them. They already knew. Cheers. But how could they have known? Who could have told them? Oh, I... I see. What do you see? You don't want to take a chance on me, so, so you told them. Well, I, I can't say that I blame you. I suppose it was stupid of me to expect anything else, right? I did not tell them. And before you continue to upbraid me as a low-down heel and liar, let me inform you, Miss Dixon, that I intend taking you to the top of that rock pile alone by myself. Oh, Cannon, I... I'm sorry. Oh, oh please don't let's quarrel it. It's just that... Well, how, how could they have known? Now, you said that you had a fair circle of friends. You even said they were mostly women. Now, I don't want to be disparaging about the fair sex, but... Uh, well, you know well, how they, women... They wouldn't. Well, and uh, they might have meant the best. But nobody knew, I tell you. I, I didn't tell anyone. 
Well, the committee knew and refused to guide. And they didn't find out at a seance, and they didn't know about it by mental telepathy. Well, hello, sister. Roger! Quite a cozy nest you picked out, my fledgling. A welcome change from the London gin palaces I'm used to. Now, aren't you going to introduce us? Oh, Mr. Cannon, my brother Roger. How do you do? Uh, you, I take it, are the man from Assignments Unlimited. Uh, Roger. Roger. <laughs> and a wit to boot. Roger, how did you know I was here? You traveled by train, my sweet. You had an uncontrollable urge to climb a mountain. The booking office said you were headed towards Wales. Well, I'm no Sherlock Holmes, but I didn't need a Dr. Watson to tell me your destination was Mount Snowden. Why did you come? I couldn't sleep thinking about all those mountain guides and you panting along an ice cap. You told them? The committee? Yes. Yes, I told them. Now, steady on, old girl. What I did was for the best. You deliberately made it impossible for me to climb the mountain. Wrong. I've made it possible for you to climb the mountain without any embarrassment to the mountaineering committee. I will be your guide. Me in person. All my gear is stacked in one of the hotel rooms, and we can take off for the summit at any time you choose, weather permitting. When I asked you to come with me in London, you refused. Why the sudden change of heart? Remorse. I didn't really take you seriously at first. When I rang Assignments Unlimited and they said you'd hired one of their operators, well, I thought I'd follow you. Um, may I ask a question? Certainly. Are you a mountaineer? In an amateurish way, yes. Mm -hmm. Then what makes you think we don't need a guide? We? Yeah, well, I'm coming too. That won't be necessary, Mr. Cannon. <laughs> no, I only don't go if the lady says no. Really? Then what does the lady say? Mr. Cannon comes. A nice, cozy threesome it is, then? Uh, uh, wrong again. A foursome. You forgot the guide. There'll be no guide. The committee wouldn't touch us with a barge pole. No guide, no climb. It's hardly your decision, old boy. Well, I'll find a guide. You want a bet? <laughs> Why not? From what your sister says, you always lose anyway. In her little expose of our family life, did she include the reason for my concern over her safety? She told me about her sickness. That's the same thing. Is it? Well, you know, safety is a loose term. I mean, the funeral pile is lit by a safety match. Like I said, I'll find the guide. And I wouldn't bet on it, friend, because I was blessed with extraordinary powers of persuasion. Lucy! Lucy, where are you? Out the back. What's happening? What's all the shouting about? <laughs> Jack, you're smiling. I haven't seen you smile in six months. I've got a client. You haven't? I have. And a rich one, too. Yunk. A yunk? Oh, that's rich enough. You're not pulling my leg. Of course not, lass. A party of three. English couple and the yunk. He's paying. Oh, yunk. I, I never thought to see it happen. <laughs> I didn't say out to you, but I never thought to see it happen. Well, it has happened, lass. And I've got five pounds in advance. Oh, yeah. Here. I've forgotten what they look like. Oh, you'll be seeing plenty of them from now on. <laughs> What are you doing, lass? I had a little way in case of sickness, like. Reckon it'll do for a celebration, ma'am, huh? <laughs> You're the one you are. Oh, I knew that committee would see reason in the end. They had to. It's got nothing to do with the committee as this job. Nothing to do with the committee? Then how did he find you? One of the party, the girl, has something wrong with her. Something wrong? Aye. Weak heart, for all I know. Anyway... They wouldn't recommend a guard, so the young come to me. He must have had words somewhere that I'm not a member of the committee. Oh, you, you mustn't do it, Jack. What if she were to die up there? No sense in looking on the black side, is there? If she's going, she's going. 
They must know what they're doing. It's all legal and above board. The committee must know, Chuck. They wouldn't refuse her for nothing. And if I were a member of the committee, I'd have to abide by their ruling, wouldn't I? If they hadn't kept me out of the committee, there wouldn't be any trip to the mountain, would there? So if she dies, I can't be held to blame, can I? And if 20 people a week arrive with weak hearts, the committee can't stop them climbing, can they? No, not as long as I'm a freelancer willing to take them. Let's drink to that last, shall we? See that your ropes are tied secure. All right, miss? Yes? Mr. Cannon? Okay. You, Mr. Dixon? Fine. Now, we move out across the face. This is where you find out how a fly feels. Whatever you do, don't look down. All right, the order is me first, then you, Mr. Cannon, then the lady, and Mr. Dixon brings up the rear. I'll tug as well as shout for the next one to follow. Here I go. Come now, Mr. Cannon! Miss Dixon, your turn! The rope snapped! It's the rope! Hold on! I'm coming back! Where is she? Down there. The outcrop broke her phone and she's clinging to a ledge. I hope to heaven she can hang on. How do we get down to her? From here we can't. I'll have to climb down and come up to her. But the wall overhangs to try that to be suicide. I'm the guide, Mr. Cannon. Suicide or not, that's what I'm going to do. You two wait here. You can't do it, Hawthorne. I know my duty, Mr. Cannon. Wait. It's no use, Hawthorne. Cannon's right. It will be suicide to try and climb up there. Anyway, it'll take you too long. She's not very strong at the best of times. She'll never hold on there until you can reach her. You got any other suggestions? Yes, yes, I have. There's a ledge running along the face. I think we can reach her along that. It's crumbly, Mr. Dixon. It's liable to give way underneath you. I'll take that chance. Yeah, I see it. And I think I can make it. This is my wicked cannon. She's my sister. Anyway, I'm by far the lightest. There's less chance of it crumbling under me. I can't let you do it, Mr. Dixon. If the rock crumbles, you'll fall to a certain death. Just try and stop me. Now listen. I'll take a line with me and tie it round her. Stake in this end, and I'll swing her out if the ledge gives way. Right? Good luck, sir. Yeah. Good luck, kid. I got her. We're coming back. Well, what do we do now, Hawthorne? Just pray, I reckon, sir. Lucky you are. You say that again. The mountain challenged me. And I won. Uh-uh. Wasn't the mountain challenged you, Mabel? What's that? Take a look at this rope where it snapped. It's been cut with a knife halfway through.
in his customary laconic tones, can and tell me the whole story back in the office at 33 Half Moon Street. But he'd taken no action in the matter, and this I thought odd. But, Cannon, if that rope had been cut halfway through, then someone tried to murder the girl. Who, Chief? Well, from what you've told me, both Hawthorne the guide and Roger the brother had ample motive. Well, they were both ready immediately to risk their own lives to save her. Roger, as a matter of fact, did risk his life. Now, that was a gallant act on his part. And, Chief, you don't organize a murder and then risk your neck to save the victim. Anyway, if the murder of any particular person was intended, then it was intended for me. You? Well, who on earth would, would want to murder you? Nobody. But you see, I rang the changes on our equipment before we started. I figured Mabel Dixon would be safer with my rope and tackle. How wrong can you be? Somebody wanted an accident on that mountain, and it wasn't Roger Dixon or Jack Hawthorne. Then who? Well, that's anybody's guess, but there's one thing. Nobody on the committee is jealous of Hawthorne anymore. He's right back with it. In fact, they've asked him to be secretary. And Roger Dixon? Oh, his sister got him out of trouble. The old aunt's will said no loan, but it didn't preclude an outright gift. I do hear tell he's given up gambling for good. Must have been the mountain air. Hmm. Have you heard from Mabel Dixon? Yeah, well, uh, <clears throat> as, a, as a matter of fact, we're going away for the weekend. Uh, mountain climbing and... Uh, well, this time we know the way. <laughs>